My name is Michael Markarian and my family business is a packaging company that serves top brands all over the world. There's no debate that some packaging is harming nature and polluting our cities and something needs to change. My goal is to show you that sustainable options exist and how you can implement them right now. This is the Sustainable Packaging Show. You are listening to the Sustainable Packaging Show Season 1. Keep an eye out for Season 2 coming soon. Now with today's show. Hello and welcome back to the Sustainable Packaging Show. I'm your host, Mike Markarian, and I'm excited to bring you this episode. We're laying foundation right now. As you know, our goal is to end greenwashing and packaging, bring packaging to the world that's authentically and honestly good for the planet. Uh, as we stated in early episodes, earlier episodes, the goal is to lay a foundation so we can know how to think about this and how to evaluate what's actually good for the planet. A lot of positive things going on in the area of sustainable packaging. So the next episode, I want to start to get into the tangible what you can do. And I think this show, as I'm recording this show, you know, we're we're um, doing my best to create something that's valuable in the time that I have and just kind of taking action and getting this out there. So as I record the show, I think it's ultimately going to be a combination of education and also practical what you can do. And I think those kind of work, they interweave and they sort of ebb and flow where it's education, knowing how to think about it, getting education so that you can, you know, understand the landscape as well as like, here's what to do. Because if I just go right to here's what to do without the education, you're not really going to understand the thought process behind it. And frankly, you might have better ideas than I do. So that's why I want to, I want to, lay out the the way to think about it I feel like that's where in in my gut and in my heart that's where I can add the most value is explaining how to think about it so that we have thousands of people that can figure out how to solve these problems but then at a certain point I don't just want to give you philosophy I don't want to just give you an academic conversation I want to get into what you can do and we'll get into that as well so today's episode like we said I want to talk about the different places that your packaging goes where does your packaging go? What are those facilities? Um, we talked about in the last episode the responsibility that consumers have in this and the responsibility that businesses and brands have in it. And I see it as an equal partnership, a 50-50 partnership. Some people don't like that answer. Some people say it's all consumers. Um, some people say it's all businesses. I think rarely that's the right way to look at it, all or nothing. I think there's often more complexity as you as you peel back the layers of the onion. You got to come at it with a little bit of a, a more a robust, for lack of a better word. I don't really like that word because it's kind of a fluff word. I feel, but a more comprehensive. There you go, a more comprehensive strategy. So you got 50-50 partnership, but then the other side of it, besides consumers and businesses doing their part, are these facilities that actually process the packaging and we talked about maybe government funding someday could fund that infrastructure or it would have to come from private enterprise but what are those different places that your packaging can end up so there's really three places three main places actually probably four but we'll say you know one of them we're not going to talk about but it is the landfill it is you know waste management picks up your junk from your bin and it goes to you know sit in a landfill and um, 
if you haven't, you know, pull up some videos on YouTube just to see what a landfill is. It's if you've never visited, it might be worth uh, looking into. But some people say it's like a some people call it a time capsule. It's basically, you know, there's a, a layer of what I believe is plastic or something underneath the land. Then the waste piles up, and then when it's done, they sort of, you know, seal it on the top so that the the gases don't leak out. That's a very layman's understanding of a landfill, but frankly, I think that's what 99.9% of the population, all they need to know about it. So landfill, obviously we want to avoid things hitting the landfill if we can, because for obvious reasons, right? There's limited land, limited real estate, and when a landfill fills up, you got to take up more land, and uh, that's obviously not a good thing to have more land being uh, polluted and used as a landfill instead of used for more productive purposes. But we need our landfills, so um, so that's a landfill. The next are recycling centers. So put landfills aside. There's really three that I want to talk about. Recycling centers. I want to talk about composting facilities, industrial composting facilities, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about reusable uh, packaging systems where people are actually sterilizing packages, which... As I said, I'm, I'm on this journey with you. That's an area that I don't know that much about, and we'll do a little research right now live uh, on this podcast. But let's start with the recycling centers. So the thing with recycling centers, if you've seen one, I think it's a good experience. If you haven't, to visit your local recycling center. They have tours, and I remember as a kid in school, I believe we went to one um, to see how it works, how everything works. But recycling centers, you basically, from your blue bin, that material gets dumped into a system that then sorts your you know your plastics and your board and your tin and the different materials and then that all gets bundled together and then usually in a separate facility it's it's broken up into flake you know let's say plastic flake or the tin is broken up into um i don't know if tin is flaked or if it's just melted i believe it's just melted but that's the general idea. It comes from your blue bin, goes through this system that then sorts, that then breaks down the material, and then that material is sold on the other end to people who want to make new products from recycled content. And those are businesses. Those recycling centers are businesses. They charge you to take in waste or recycled material, and they, they sell it on the other end. I actually don't know if they charge for recycled material, but I know they charge for waste, the, the landfills do. So that's recycling, and I know there's different levels or different sophistication levels of these recycling systems. You see some where it's largely manual, um, and then you see others where, like, literally lasers and 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 you know, lasers are detecting what's coming through, and air is blowing things certain air, uh, you know, into one lane versus another, and magnets are attracting the metal. Like, so that's why when we talk about the death of recycling and people say oh recycling doesn't work because there's problems because China's not taking our plastic and recycling is dead I'm saying well there's actually quite a bit of innovation happening in recycling and it gives me reason to believe that if we project out 10 years and we, we go out 10 years what is recycling going to look like maybe there's great innovation to be made there so there's there's different levels of recycling and the last key thing with recycling is what we talked about in the last episode. Not everything that is quote-unquote recyclable, because everything's technically recyclable, right? We talked about the chewing gum and the sneakers in the last episode. 
But even everything that's recyclable can't just go in your blue bin. So obviously you're not going to put chewing gum in your blue bin. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, but additionally, you could have other recyclable things like plastic shopping bags from the grocery store are recyclable, but they have to go in a separate stream. If you put them in the blue bin, which goes through the traditional recycling stream, those bags will clog up those those machines. So you can't say it's not recyclable because it is recyclable, but it's not recyclable through the blue bin. At your grocery store, there's a separate little station in most grocery stores where you can drop those bags in there. It's called flexible packaging. Flexible packaging are bags and things like that versus more rigid packaging. So flexible packaging usually has to go through a separate stream to be recyclable. So just think about this idea of a lot of things are recyclable, but they have to go into the right stream. And think about recycling centers. There's different levels of technology. Some are more fundamental and basic and ordinary and what have you. And others are more um, highly technological and quite sophisticated operations. And that gives me promise that through uh, infrastructure bills or, I don't know, maybe an infrastructure bill to put a ton of money into recycling centers would be a good use of, of government um, money or a subsidy to allow these, um, these, these, this technology, this, this premium technology to be built um, possibly. I don't know. Maybe that's a terrible idea, but, but that's one thing. So that's the recycling centers, right? So we got landfills. We know landfills. We have recycling centers. We have industrial composting facilities. So there's there's composting, which is, again, biodegradable is different from composting. Biodegradable just means it breaks down everything, including us, are biodegradable. It breaks down microbes, bacteria, fungus can break it down. Composting is the art of taking something and, and having it condensed down to, um, you know, like nutritious soil. But let me, let me get a composting definition for you all. Compost. Make vegetable matter or manure into compost. Okay, that's not the best definition. Treat soil with compost. <laughs> okay, let's go to dictionary.com. A mixture of various decaying organic substances as dead leaves or manure used for fertilizing soil. So that's, that's a better definition. It's like these definitions that use the word in the definition. It's like, okay, but I searched because I didn't know what the word meant. Uh, anyways, so that's what compost is. It's nutritious. It, it has value. So when people say, oh, biodegradable or compostable, it's it's really two different things. The compostable side is much more appealing because biodegradable just means it breaks down, right? Like anything is technically biodegradable. And that's where a lot of greenwashing happens in packaging where people label things as biodegradable. Sure, it's factual. Everything's biodegradable, like, you know, literally everything you see. So it doesn't say much to say something's biodegradable, but to a consumer that could make them think that it's this super eco-friendly thing. So states like California have actually banned the use of that word. And in packaging circles, and other places too, but in packaging circles, that's like a big no-no where like anytime someone says, oh, I want to put biodegradable on my package, someone who's uh, well-versed in packaging will say like, be careful, are you sure you want to say that? And, and like, because there's consequences to using that term. So you have home composting, which is composting done in your backyard in some sort of bin or in some sort of, um, there's different, you can look it up on YouTube. It's actually fascinating what people do in home, home composting. 
and certain packaging is home compostable. Um, it tends to usually be thinner packaging, like uh, you say it's easier to home compost a toothpick versus a 2x4 as an analogy. So I find packaging that's home compostable most of the time. Again, maybe it's a generalization. Maybe I don't, I haven't seen everything, but most of the time it's like thinner, more flexible stuff because in order to be home compostable, it needs to break down within a certain period of time. Then you have industrial compostable, which uses heat and moisture, and it's like a full, a full, full-blown facility for composting. And um, industrial composting. And I believe where there's industrial composting, there's going to be green bins. You see it in some airports and in certain neighborhoods, um, in certain progressive cities across the country. You'll see the, the green bin, and it actually picks up for industrial compost. And one of the criticisms of compostable packaging is, great, it's compostable, it's industrial compostable, but I don't have industrial compostable near me, so what good is this is this packaging? And that has some validity to it. But that's kind of where we, um, as packaging people, sometimes let ourselves off the hook. The thought will end there. And then the next part of the sentence, unfortunately, is, therefore, I will accept the status quo. Right? So it's like, that's where I say progress, not perfection. I know that there's not industrial composting in every area. However, what's your alternative? If your alternative is, therefore, I'm going to go into ocean plastics, I believe in ocean plastics, and when industrial composting comes into my area, then I'm going to consider that. That's a well-thought-out thing, but oftentimes it's no industrial composting in my, my, in my area, therefore, no action. Status quo is fine with me, which which is not how I want to encourage you guys to think. Like, again, progress, not perfection. It's not going to be perfect, but that shouldn't stop you. So industrial composting, I believe it's also known as commercial composting. So commercial or industrial composting is a large-scale composting, which is designed to handle very high volume of organic waste as opposed to private or home composting, which handles organic waste from one household or facility. It may also collect yard waste from nurseries and landscaping companies. So Industrial composting is a great alternative to things ending up in a landfill, right? Instead of it rotting in a landfill, it's actually converted into nutritious, dense soil that can be used to um, have a productive function to grow crops and to grow plants and so on. A little bit of an overgeneralization, but that's at least the idea in theory. So um, there's that as, as industrial composting. So you look at that, that all sounds good, right? Industrial composting. So let's think about the world that we might live in someday where there is industrial composting facilities in all sorts of areas. And maybe that's something we invest in with, um, with federal dollars to build that infrastructure. Or maybe it becomes a, a profitable business model and there's individual entrepreneurs in every state who, who, who want to pursue this. In that case, you have to ask yourself, what makes the most sense? If there was curbside industrial composting, does it make more sense for the environment? And this is where it's somewhat of a judgment call on your side, and, and, and you got to do what you believe, and, and I hope to bring more research to this area. But it's, okay, what's better for the planet? Is it better to have that industrial compostable jar going to a industrial composting facility to be turned into soil that then grows new crops. Okay, that's one path. 
but it's not. I mean, there, there, there's quite a bit of processing involved with that. It's not like it doesn't just magically eliminate any environmental issues, right? There's you got to grow that crop and you have to take that crop and put it in a form that can be made into the bioresin. And then you need to turn the bioresin into a jar. And then that jar needs to go to the industrial composting facility, which then needs to um, break down into soil over time. And then that soil, you know, moves to create new crops. So from that perspective, it sounds, it sounds uh, sustainable. And I don't want to go too deep into this because there's, there's a lot to cover and, and I'm already um, at around 16 minutes, but um, that's one option. How does that compare to recycling where let's say you take traditional plastic and you extract the oil and you make the plastic and if that plastic is recycled, it's then ground down into flakes and then melted and turned into new products with post-consumer recycled or post-industrial cons- uh, recycled materials. So it's kind of a judgment call as to which is which is more sustainable, which is better for the planet. Now, you could say because there's flaws in recycling, I want to go the industrial composting route which I couldn't blame you if that's what your conclusion is. But I want you to think this through. If recycling fixes itself and improves itself, is that now a better path than industrial compostable? And there's the other issues in this as well, like is the supply chain there? But what I want to get at here is just that it's not so black and white. And I hope that I'm not running that fine line between I want to educate without confusing. So I want to just kind of plant these seeds And I think over time, the answers and solutions will become more visible, but at least you'll be able to know how to think about this stuff and how to how to kind of dig through it. The last one. And I promise this is the last one, at least for now, that I can think of is um, reusable. So it's instances where you have uh, product packaging. Let's call it the milkman model, right, where the, the, the milk, the glass milk jugs are picked up rinsed and then reused so what is the infrastructure looking like for those type of facilities what are those sterilization facilities you know a lot in in the cannabis industry a lot of people are calling for that type of model a lot of people like that kind of model because they say you know we got we got our jars for flour which is the the cannabis flour they're perfectly good i don't want to use another jar and i don't want to just recycle another jar this jar is perfectly good. I could just sterilize this jar and use it again. And I think there's merit to that thought process. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, But there's regulators that'll say, who's to say that's actually clean? Who's to say that jar is clean? Well, there's facilities that can do that cleaning and sterilization. But to be honest, that's sort of outside my sphere of expertise right now. We'll get into that in a future episode. But it's got to be sterile. It's got to be clean. I think that's maybe one of the big criticisms of that model is can you really sterilize it? Can you really make sure that product is is clean? Especially in today's world, that's an even bigger concern. And I've got to imagine it's doable. I mean, it was doable. It is doable, I'm sure. But it's not quite as easy as I get why regulators will say you can't just, you know, get this jar back and rinse it out with soap and water or put it in a dishwasher and start using it again. And I get that. You don't know what the consumer did to the jar. And unless it's really sterilized extremely well um, with the right chemicals and the right temperatures to really burn out any imperfections, you could be putting a consumer at risk. You know, so so I I actually like the fact that they're not just going to say, you know, oh, yeah, you can just rinse it out and then use it again. Well, that's good for the planet. But if you 
if you harm one person, one life, I mean, come on, let's not, let's not, let's not pretend that's not a big deal. So, um, so the right sterilization facilities in the right location, right? If the sterilization facility is in Alaska, just to use a, a funny example or a crazy example, and you're based in Boston, then, you know, environmentally to ship the jars all the way there to be sterilized and to come back, obviously it's not going to be in Alaska, but you get the point. There's other considerations. So in the idea of cannabis, if there was a sterilization facility one mile away from a cannabis dispensary and they really could sterilize the jars, you have a great argument that that's the right path to go. But if the local sterilization facility is, you know, 5,000 miles away, you might say, you know what, let's go with industrial composting. Or if there's no industrial composting in your area, you might say, let's go with let's go with recyclable. Let's 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 go with ocean plastics. It's it's still recyclable, but it it also um, is getting ocean that's bound for the oceans. Excuse me, plastic that's bound for the oceans or that's in the oceans and and that's your angle. So it's ultimately not black and white. But I want to try to make it black and white. And that's maybe my goal here is that, that this is complex. But I think because there's complexity, sometimes that results in inaction. So it's like, again, I'm walking that fine line. I hope I'm educating and that there's value. And feel free to throw it in the comments or review. Like either email me, MikeM at ContempoPackaging.com or throw it in the podcast notes and like tell me how you're liking this format. Obviously, give me five stars because it, this obviously... This obviously is a five-star podcast to me. Come on. But tell me, all kidding aside, I say that jokingly, but you can't see me, so maybe you think I'm serious. I hope it's five stars, but I'd be humbled if you give me five stars. But really, I want to know, is this useful? Is this helpful? Am I educating and giving you distinctions so you know how to think about this, or am I adding to the your sense of not really knowing what to do? And I think it's the, la- uh, the former, not the latter. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so in the next episode, let's cap it there. In the next episode, I want to talk to you guys about some practical um, ways of implementing. I think we've done enough education. We'll get back to more education. We'll get to news in sustainable packaging, updates in sustainable packaging. We're going to be the leaders of sustainable packaging, all of us listening to this podcast, contributing to this podcast. We are going to pave the way. We're going to do it through education, and we're also going to do it through practical, like here's what you can do, and we're going to get better with every day. Every day that we do one of these, every day that we listen to any of these, any of you who contribute to the podcast in the future, we're creating this base of knowledge and this movement that's going to solve these problems. Mark my word, we will solve these problems. These problems are not insurmountable. They're challenging, but talk about something that we can do, talk about something where the progress is showing that this is solvable, I'm telling you, this is something that is solvable. It's going to take a great effort. It'll take many things, but it's doable. So let's come together. Let's figure this out. I hope you've enjoyed the first few episodes. Next episode, we're going to get into what do you do when you want sustainable packaging? We've sort of hinted at the path may depend on the product and we're going to start to make those some of those distinctions to talk to you about when that first thought comes into your mind i'm not happy with the way that the planet is looking i'm not happy with the state of packaging and i want to do something about it for my brand what do you do next that's going to be the next episode thank you all for listening thank you for caring thank you for putting your heart and soul into solving these problems and uh, without any more i keep wanting to say without further ado i gotta stop doing that
Without any more words for today, I love you all, and thanks for your participation. Take good care. If you're looking for sustainable packaging that's actually good for the planet, we have sustainable options for just about every packaging product. Email MikeM at ContempoPackaging.com and let's talk. Have a phenomenal day.